My love for Star Wars is big, and so is my collection. Star Wars is everywhere, and so am I. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. I am your host this episode, Carl LeClaire, and I am joined by two awesome special guests. I am so excited to have both of these gentlemen with me today. Uh, this is episode 374 of the show, uh, titled Real Fans of the Saga, and that's right. I've got two real fans of the saga with me for this episode of the Wampa's Lair. So I would like to introduce both Chris Mott and Sean Hines. Thank you for uh, inviting us on the show. You're you're one of the few shows that seeked us out before we uh, seeked out any opportunities out there. So I appreciate you cutting down some of the legwork for us. <laughs> oh. Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to be here. I got my coffee, which means the uh, the force is with me, and I am one with the force. So we can continue. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to have you both with me. I'm glad I was able to, uh, you know. Uh, whip out my harpoon tow cable and take out those legs for you, Chris, so we could just make this quicker. <laughs> so. well, much appreciated. Much appreciated. Um, so for any of you who, are, who aren't who are aware, um, Chris here, Chris, you've done two Star Wars documentaries, like full-length documentaries, both The Force Within Us and The Force Among Us. Um, can you remind me what years those came out? Yeah, The Force Among Us came out way back in August of 2007. Wow. So it's been uh, doing the math real quick. Was that 12, 13 years already? Yeah. yeah? Wow. Yeah. It'll be 13 um, years. Yeah, it'll be it'll be 13 years in August. And uh, we started filming actually in September of 2006. So we've already passed the 13 year mark on when we started production on that. And then there was a long pause in between. Uh, I went through a uh, divorce during 2000 and like right 2007 right around the time that the film was released and i got uh there was a tie-in with my ex-wife and frank yario who led production on the force among us he was he's a hollywood guy he's, he's out in hollywood now he's got a really nice impressive imdb credit list uh he was the one that kind of gave me my break so after I went through that, kind of stayed in touch with him, uh, but life got a little crazy. And there was this um, this long time and this desire to make another film because I was so unhappy with The Force Among Us. Mm. And uh, why was I unhappy? Probably because it was my first film and I had no idea what I was doing. And still to this day... I always hear Frank Yario in the back of uh, my my head, his voice as an Obi-Wan would do to Luke. Uh, he, he always said, you're not going anywhere near the editing room. And I still understand what he means by that, because if you direct and produce and write, the editing process is a whole other animal. And sometimes it takes a very long time for projects to get past that hump get past that part of the journey. So this desire was building inside for, of me for many, many years. So in 2012, uh, actually it was uh, March 11th, 2012, uh, we started production on The Force Within Us. 
And I was very happy with that project, except that that project to me is a little dated, um, simply because of where Star Wars is now and where Disney has taken us. The Force Among Us actually has a longer shelf life, in my opinion, than the Force Within Us uh, has, uh, due to you know the state of Star Wars. And um, but I was very happy with that. And uh, then my third project uh, was a Walking Dead documentary, which is kind of strange now because of the time we're living in, it kind of might resonate with a lot more people. (laughs) Um, The walkers among us. And what happened with the walkers among us was my buddy, Ian, who did the force within us film with me. He was kind of like the Frank Yario of the force within us project. He handled the camera work. He handled overseeing production. He said, I'm not doing another star Wars project. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I said, okay, well, what about The Walking Dead? It's kind of hot right now. And this was in 2014. So we did that. And then, of course, as you just became aware of the reality show, we're going, we went back to Star Wars, which is the real fans of the saga. Uh, so anyways, uh, that answers your question. That was the long way to answer your question. Yeah, no, it, yeah. It's, that's great. I, that answered a lot of the questions I'd already prepared. So thanks, Chris. <laughs> No worries. Yeah. You um, make it easy for me. I make it easy for yeah. you, right? <laughs> um, so, Sean, you know, uh, real fans of the saga is probably something. This well, actually, this is a question I'd love you both to answer. But Sean, I want to start with you because um, obviously, Chris tackled both of these documentaries, and um, obviously, you were in both of them. Uh, but then you get this, you know, this new program that's it's on Amazon Prime. Real fan. Real fans of the saga, which I'm I'm a guessing is that the the title itself is that kind of a play on the Real Housewives type shows, is that kind of what it's yes. playing off of? Okay, that's what I thought. Um, yes, that was uh, the brainchild. Uh, I guess you could say more of Chris's wife with, with the concept, right? Wasn't it? Isn't that correct, Chris? Yeah, my my, my wife is a uh, as a hard. I, obviously, I got re- remarried. Um, I don't want to confuse anybody. I just told people about a divorce, <laughs> so uh, I I, um, I I got got remarried. And my wife Michelle is a huge Bravo uh, reality TV watcher. Actually, actually, all reality TV in general. But there's something about Bravo that takes the production level and just amps it up versus like um like a tlc for example um i mean there's reality shows on discovery channel and animal planet at this point uh and so i was very inspired heavily by the bravo series uh the real housewives and i said man it'd be fun to do a star wars thing like that and and th- that title i was warned about that title and as sean knows and then he yeah, understands <laughs> He's kind of always helping. Yeah. We always kind of have to have that little asterisk explanation of saying we're not trying to claim that we are the real fans and or try to define what a real fan is. It's just a play on words in the form of parody is all. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, nowadays with the Internet and social media and the state of fandom where it is right now, it wasn't like this 10 years ago. Um, well, there wasn't social media really like there was today, 10 years ago. And um, a lot of people get get behind that imaginary wall. I know like right now I've taken a sabbatical from Facebook because of 
the, uh, the coronavirus and my thoughts on it in the beginning. And I got in a lot of trouble that way. And I'm like, you know, I'm just going to remove myself completely. But that plays in a lot about how people uh, act with social media and that invisible wall. And when they saw just the title, the real fans, they would get on this soapbox. Oh, what makes you guys real fans? It's getting accused of uh, yeah, getting accused of gatekeeping the franchise sure. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah gatekeeping and all that. And uh, you know, uh, a really good friend of ours, Jimmy Mack, who runs a Rebel Force Radio podcast, he told me because he's kind of at the hub and he's experienced fandom in a negative way um, firsthand. He said you cannot call it that. And because I'm an independent filmmaker, I really just always believed in doing what I wanted to do. Um, so I'm like, you know what? That's not, I'm, I'm going to call it the real fans of, of the saga based on the real housewives. And yeah. if you compare the artwork too, like we're holding death star toy balls and you know, the, the real fans, the, the real housewives are always holding like a shoe, an orange, whatever region <laughs> that they're in, you know, like Atlanta holds a peach, yeah. um, you know, orange County holds an orange. So if you put the artwork side by side, you'll be like, oh, these guys are ripping them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like the, the first time I was, I-, actually, I was actually more worried about a cease and desist from Bravo than I was from <laughs> from Disney when yeah. I was making this project. Sure. <laughs> Thank God I didn't get a cease and desist from anybody. But. Right. right. Yeah. No, when I saw the title, that was my first thought was, that, OK, OK, this is obviously a play on Real Housewives. Um as opposed to the, you know, the gatekeeping angle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, Sean, what was it? What is it like being uh, on a show like this, doing a program like this? And obviously your wife is uh, very participatory and obviously Chris, yours is as well. Um, but what's that been like, Sean? Like, this is just my big question that I kind of wanted to ask you both kind of at the top is, is in a way you were both star wars celebrities because you're fans right like we live in a culture right now where youtube stars are a thing right tiktok people are a thing right people get famous just for doing their own thing and i think it's kind of neat that this program that you've created is it's kind of in the star wars world where you know i mean and literally in one of the episodes chris where you guys go to the you know the rfr um pre-party and you're like even i was signing autographs right like and and sean i wouldn't be surprised if that's going to start happening if it doesn't already happen with you i mean especially with your uh, play with the mandalorian mashups which i do want to get to a little bit later um but you know what's that like that you guys are kind of these like minor celebrities within the star wars world just because you're fans like what's that been like for you it's it's uh, it's it, there's been a few moments. It's it, it wasn't anything I was, you know, anticipating or even expecting. It was just more of like, hey, I get to be a part of something to show off my fandom, and I will always be forever grateful to Chris for uh, wanting to include me in his projects. You know, because I have a lot of fun doing it, and I've you know, Chris and I we go way back. Uh, we we go we go way we go way back. Me and him, and. Uh, so yeah, it's I always appreciate it and grateful that he you know, wants to include me in these projects, and I'm more than happy to participate as in whatever I, uh, you know way, way I can. Uh, but yeah, the 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 sort of fan sub level fan celebrity side of things, a little byproduct of it did actually happen a couple of times. You know, walking around celebration, 
getting recognized to, Hey, you're from, you know, the documentary or I saw you at the real fans. And, you know, with just the last one that we just had in Chicago, I was at a, a celebration karaoke pre-party and somebody had recognized me and they actually had one of Chris's DVDs in their car if they wanted me to sign, <laughs> you know, and they were asking me if Chris was around so they could get him to sign it. And I, I told him he'll be at the show. And I think they eventually did find Chris and had him sign it for it and everything. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's fun in a way, you know, uh, but it wasn't it was something I was expecting or even planning on. But yeah, I do. It is kind of it is kind of cool in, in in a way. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know the people that first of all the people that make anybody a celebrity is is the fan base, and I think that's what's so unique and so special about. Star Wars fans, and not all of them. I mean, there's a lot of Star Wars fans that have never heard of Rebel Force Radio. There's a lot of Star Wars fans that never heard of the Holiday Special. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of different kind of fans, and the people that really appreciate what we do and and follow us and ask for our photographs and our autographs and that sort of thing, those are. The fans that me and Sean were before we made these projects, you know, like just a deep, passionate, hey, this guy turned the light off at the end of, at the end of Empire Strikes Back on the set at Elstree Studio. I need his autograph, <laughs> you know, and we kind of, we kind of, um, uh, you complete, I guess, complete somebody's, uh, desire and, and search for people that, you know, collect autographs, uh, make documentaries, that sort of thing. I feel very, I'm, I'm always very humble about it. I do feel like it's nice because when I was in like the music business and I played in a band, you know, 50 people would come and see me play and, you know, they would never buy the music. They would, maybe they don't come to the show next time. I feel like when you make a film, not only is it a high-profile family movie, like my story with the Force Within Us, uh, Sean's story in The Force Among Us, the, the reality show, it's something that's going to be there all the time, for not only for us, but these people that appreciate what we do, it validates what we do. And at the same time, it keeps us going, you know? And with the Kickstarter campaigns that we've done, uh people fund the fund the projects when i did the force among us there was no fan base because it was brand new that movie really laid the foundation for people being interested in what we do um the force among us we paid out our own pocket we promoted it so much that we kind of got burnt out by the time we made the second one when i can and when I compare it to like the Walking Dead fan base, that show's been on for quite a while now, you know. And I did not become a celebrity in the in the Walking Dead fan circle mm -hmm. uh, because that fan base just isn't as hardcore and passionate, in my opinion, about everybody that contributes to the Star Wars universe, whether it be a reality show, a documentary or an extra in the background, you know, from a film that was recorded 40 years ago. Um, 
the Walking Dead fandom is very, very different than that. Yeah. So, uh, and I've, I've experienced that firsthand as well. Because you never know how an audience is going to react to anything that gets put out there, and uh, you know, even in the real fans included. Like, you know, you know, we, we have a lot of fun doing it because it's just us being us. But we don't know is anybody going to care or even be interested in what our worlds are like. But then when the first uh, batch of reviews started to come in online, it's like. Uh, started to feel a little bit more relieved that people were enjoying it and able to relate to it and, you know, and compare it to their own fandom and the way they celebrate star Wars. And, you know, and that's kind of what the intention was in a sense to just show, you know, we're all the same when it comes to being a star Wars fan, which is if anybody's ever been to celebration knows, you know, you're in long lines all day long, but (laughs) you're in lines with, people who are essentially your friends because you can start up a conversation with somebody you've never met, talk to them for two hours in line and, and it, because you have that common interest to talk about, you know, and, and I think that's one of, that's my favorite part of the star Wars fandom is, is that come that camaraderie for having the same uh, passion for the, for the franchise. Yeah. I think Sean, Sean made a really good point there. You know, when we set out to do this, we were just being ourselves um, you know, on camera for the real fans. And, uh, you know, just to give you a little backstory, because Sean mentioned, you know, he's, you know, gr- grateful for me, including him in, in my projects. And, and, and I appreciate what he's contributed to the projects. And oddly enough, he wasn't in the Walking Dead documentary, but his brother contributed a lot of music to our soundtrack. So there's still the Heinz family name attached to it. <laughs> attached to that project. You know, when, when I when I made the first film, I wanted to use mostly people that were part of my life and part of my world. And me, like Sean said, we go way back. So Sean was already a perfect candidate for that. And then when I did The Force Within Us, even though it's focused around my story a little bit more than everybody else's, I thought, you know, why not bring Sean and Alfie back to kind of have that a continuity like oh yeah i remember these guys from the last project and of course with the um the real fans of the saga sean and alfie live in chicago they've they've been involved in all the other projects the reality show is almost like a uh god how do i want to say this it's almost like a part three of the documentaries Mm. because it gives you insight on our daily lives and our relationships with one another where the documentary was definitely much different than that. So all three projects, Star Wars projects, they really all go, go together. Um, what is, I think what that's is, important, you know, kind of so, what is important. So what are you, what are you saying, Chris, the uh, real fans is going to be the uh, Kenobi to the prequels. Is that it? <laughs> you can look at it that way, I guess. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's just definitely uh, a side story from the documentaries, but it's it it shows us, you know, more more day to day, you know, where the documentaries were kind of a, you know, tell us about your story, make your statement. You know, we'll we'll put some other interviews intertwined with it. it God, I tell you, man, reality show is definitely a five headed monster where a documentary is like a one headed monster. I mean, it's it's been a grueling task to get this thing completed um wearing wearing a lot of hats has its benefits 
but it also has its its challenges. And 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 um, a reality show takes a lot of people to to, to get things completed the right way. Um, happy with it so far, but hit some brick walls and you know got burnt out and it's not paying the bills so we're doing what we love and of course at the end of the day that's the most important thing as well you know yeah yeah i i think the thing that has that i've appreciated so much about real fans in addition to you know both force among us and force within us kind of i like the way you just broke that down chris is it really does give a really full picture of the camaraderie that this particular group of friends shares around star Wars, right? Like the documentary is kind of going to a few individuals, tell us your story. How did it affect you? Why is it important? Which I love hearing those stories as a star Wars fan. Um, but the thing about real fans is it's, it's like, you're kind of watching a sitcom in a lot of ways. Um, sure. you've got drama in it. You've got comedy in it. You've obviously got, um, heartfelt friendships here. Um, and I think for if, at least speaking for me, and I'm sure this is true of a lot of other fans, is it's a nice window into your own world when you have those opportunities to get together with your Star Wars friends. And, um, you know, the, the conversations you have, the jokes you make, uh, and it's, it's just really fun. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I got to ask just because I am super curious, do they want you to amp up some of the drama sometimes? <laughs> Because I feel like there are a few times where, um, you know, at Chris's birthday party where you get a lot of booze for your birthday. Um, <laughs> and I, I can't help but laugh in the kind of like the the, the one-on-ones off camera, right, with, with uh, you know, Sean's like, wow, Chris has got a lot of booze. And then we get, uh, you know, we get a zoom in with Chris and Chris is like, Sean's got to mind his own problems, you know. Um, I'm just like, I'm like, wow, are they, I wonder if they're like, is that somewhat played up for the camera? Is it, um, is it just really honest and you're not afraid to show that? I'm just really curious because. You know, it's it's a little bit of a of a combo. Um, I, I guess I would kind of take responsibility on that because I, I'm I'm kind of directing this thing too. As I'm you know as I'm behind the camera, like when we film Sean and Lisa, of course, like Sean and Lisa, for example. You know, uh, I mean, Lisa's been fantastic because there's been a lot of scenes with those two, which are my personal favorite scenes. Where, yeah, we, we do, I don't know if necessarily amped up because there's always a different feeling when you're in your own real world and there is no camera on you. And of course, when the camera's on you, uh, you know, you feel maybe shy, you feel maybe, you know, uh, I'm, I'm maybe not acting, but I feel uncomfortable because there's a lens right in my face. Um, I think that we maybe push it to have a little bit more drama. There's a lot of times when me and Sean are working together on this project where I tell Sean, I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, I'm, I'm busting your balls a little bit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just, just to make sure that our friendship doesn't take a, a toll on this. And as I watch a lot of, uh, the, the real housewives always do, um, like a chat, you know, like a round table chat at the end of the season. And the difference between them and the difference between me and Sean and Alfie, and then, you know, of course, Bo, we were friends going into this. So we have to kind of make sure that the drama doesn't kill our friendship, even if it might be somewhat directed that way at some points. But with the real with the real housewives, they weren't friends to begin with. So there's a lot more room for for drama. So you have to kind of 
maybe not amplify it, but kind of push it in that way where it's going to be a little bit more appealing to watch and fun to watch. You're right. But there is well, always gonna... always truth to some of what you see. Right. <laughs> well, that's what, that's what I was going to point out. You know, we we everything is shot organically. You know, as things are happening, and so uh, it, you know, when we when we dive into it. Uh, more uh, with the conf- with the one-on-one confessionals, you know that's maybe where we're expressing some of the feelings in a more dramatic fashion. But we're, we're, we're but it all it all stems from the reality of what actually just went down. So um, you know, so there, yeah, so that's where Chris says there's a little bit of a little bit of both there. But like when you know Lisa and I are filming our scenes, you know, we sort of we're just doing our thing, and at, there is a point when you're doing this stuff, and it's a weird thing with reality shows. Yeah. You know, you're being filmed, but when you're, when you're in the, whatever it is you're doing, you almost, it's not, there is a point where you forget the cameras are there and you're just doing your thing. And, and then when I see it played back and I'm like, Oh my God, did we really act act that, <laughs> you know, when I'm, and then when we do the, when, when we're doing our confessionals and we're discussing what happened, I mean, you're like, wow. Yeah. I was kind of shocked to see all that booze show up at Chris's, birthday party and then maybe start to wonder is he does does he really have a problem here should we get him some help what uh do we need to have to do an intervention with aa and or what's going on but you know it's there with everything there's gonna there's everything stems from the from the truth from the reality of the situation and then of course to make it interesting you gotta you know create some drama i guess you could say uh, to, 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 for entertainment value in a sense. Right. Yeah. Now, and you know, this, this is not the, this is not like, uh, the real world with MTV. Like I I've heard from people that have worked on the show, like, you know, they're in this house together, right. And the camera crew has been sitting around for, you know, half the day because they're waiting for something to happen. So the director will go in there, the producer will go in there and he'll like, he'll kind of create the drama or the situation just for something to happen with, with us, the way that things kind of unfold is we'll have an idea. The camera crew is not around. So we'll kind of write down a situation like, yeah, Sean is taking over to the living room. Uh, but the camera crew is not right. The camera crew is not at his house at that point. So Sean might have to bring out a lot of that stuff, knowing that the camera crew is going to get ready it's kind of like an, or, I don't know if organic reenactment is the way I want to put it, or that's an oxymoron. Um, but you have to kind of make notes throughout your day going, oh, you know what? This would be a great idea for the show. But man, I, I don't have the budget to have a camera crew at my house. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, next time we get together, hey, let's do this scene. Because last time we were out at the bar or last time I was over at your house, camera crew wasn't there. So we kind of need to play that out again. But this time we're not reading a script. We just have these notes about whatever happened last time we were in a Star Wars family environment. So let's do this now that the cameras are here kind of thing. That's a little secret of behind the scenes, but at the same time, when you don't have the funds that we have to pull this off, unfortunately, that's kind of the best option that we, that we have, you know? Sure. Sure. Now, um, so something I, I wanted to ask each of you kind of a individual question here about, um, I think one of the greatest parts of star Wars fandom is the fact that like you were saying earlier, Chris, we're so passionate 
Um, I mean, that's why I do this podcast, and that's why there are hundreds of other people that do Star Wars podcasts, right? I mean, there's so <laughs> many, so many good shows out there. Um, and and then you know, you got fan films, you've got fan fiction, everything is out there from Star Wars fans. There's such a sense of creativity that Star Wars sparks in us. Um, so I was kind of curious because you both kind of have your own little passion projects within the fan community, Chris with the, the documentaries and, uh, Sean with your Mandalorian mashups. Um, and, uh, so to start with you, Sean, if you don't mind, I, I'm just curious, like, I know you kind of, you know, if, if you've watched the, the two, you know, force among us force within us, you see kind of your, uh, process of how you got into Mandalorian mashups, but, um, just for anybody who maybe hasn't seen the documentary or doesn't know exactly what that is, I'm just if, if you could talk a little bit about where that came from, where that passion for Mandalorians came from, and, and how you created this this particular costuming group that kind of stands up there, probably not on the same level as maybe you know the 501st of the Rebel Legion, um, but as you guys, in my honest opinion, expertly point out in real fans, the 501st especially is just so damn rigid. Uh, I. I I have a lot to say about it, I, and I won't say it all on air, but um, I, I like that you have a commentary on it within Real Fans. Um, but, you know, you created this group simply to have fun, the Mandalorian mashup. So, Sean, where did that come from? What's that about? So, uh, it it originally started, you know, I just wanted I wanted a Boba Fett costume because he was my favorite guy. And um, so I got, so I finally got myself a Boba Fett costume, and I think I wore it at Celebration Two, uh, no, Celebration Three. You know, I wore it, and it was when I was there, I, I I saw somebody dressed as a stormtrooper, all decoed out with the stars and stripes of the American flag, and that was the first time I'd ever seen any like custom paint costume kind of thing. This is, I mean, this is the early days of costuming and, and even when in the infancy of the 501st and all that and um so i'm like wow that'd be cool if i did like a an american flag boba fett so that was my that was where it started i did a i did i did a stars and stripes version of the boba fett and i was you know i didn't really have a name for him but i remember walking around first time wearing it you know, people would be shouting like, oh, Captain America Fett or Patriot Fett. Or... <laughs> so I just sort of adopted whatever names people were calling it or or Flag Fett, you know, or something like that. You know, so and I'm like, well, you know, and then just from there, I just started, you know, these ideas just started flooding into my brain. Like, OK, well, what else can I come up with? You know, um, you know, and then uh, I teamed up with Alfie and he started feeding off ideas. And then the next one I did was, uh, was a bat was a Batman fed. I called him Batmando, you know, <laughs> and uh, it just, and then, and then, the, the, and then I just, after about, and then I started to do sports ones for the Chicago sports teams. I did a show with Chicago white Sox. Then I made uh, a wonder woman one for my wife. And it just, and it just, and then I started noticing online other people from other states kind of doing similar things. There was a, you know, a guy in California doing a Wolverine fet. And I seen somebody doing an evil Knievel fet. And then there's a, a model named Amber Arden who does a snow white fet. And it just, I'm like, okay, well there's, there's an opportunity for, for a group here. So that's when I came up with the idea for Mandalorian mashups. And then I created a community costume, costume page on Facebook and tried to gather everybody 
that, you know, try to, whenever I found a new leadership, I just track down who they were, reach out to them and invite them to the group down. And like you said, we're not as big as the 501st or Rebel Legion or anything like that. And we're, we, the rules are simple. You take one thing, mix it with another thing and you're in. We don't really have or care about the quality of your work or if it's screen accurate or if the spacing between the armor plates are a certain way, just I, my motto is, you know, is just to have fun. And I always say, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's, and it sort of grew from there. And so then when we started filming the real fans, one of the things, one of the, I was working on was trying to gather as many mashups as I could for a, a big group photo op, similar to what the 501st does at every celebration. So the, la- the last time the c- celebration was in Anaheim was the first time I-, I organized a group photo. And we ended up getting about 30 or 40 mashup, bando mashups to show up for that. And um, I've been trying to put that together at every celebration since then. And the one we just had in Chicago, you know, I opened it up to just, any man, I mean, I, I've, I've now just called it. I call the I call the photo op bat mashup mania, and it's open to anybody that does a mashup costume. Doesn't necessarily have to be Mandalorian. And we had a huge group for Chicago, and I'm hoping to do the same thing if Anaheim still happens this year to try to do it again and hopefully make it an even bigger event and actually become a thing. You know. Um, at celebration, so that's sort of my current goal with that, and and it's 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 been interesting to see how it's evolved since I started. It just me wanting to create something different because I used to always say a stormtrooper at a at a at a Star Wars celebration convention is is like white noise; they're everywhere. So, <laughs> so oh, it used to be used to be like that. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, now it's more now it's more bowling shirts than anything else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but I digress. So, but yeah, I just think it's fun, you know, doing the mashups. You know, everybody likes to get a chuckle out of it, and you know, and like I said, anybody that wants to be a member of the Mandalorian mashups, all you got to do is come up with an idea, share your picture, and you're in. <laughs> you know, simple as that. Yeah. Oh man, I love that because you know what you've done, Sean, is you've I mean, you created a community, right? And that's what like the best star Wars fans do is we create a space for people to play in and have fun. And, uh, that's what I love about Mandalorian mashups, uh, is that's exactly what you've created. Um, and you know, I mean, sometimes I'm a bit harsh about 501st stuff and I, I, I love what 501st brings to every convention. I mean, they bring these awesome set pieces for folks to take pictures in. Um, they do phenomenal work, but it just seems like they that rigidity also can, can be a bit of a pain in the neck, I'm sure, for a lot of folks who may not have the means for all those high-class film-accurate ap- uh, costumes. So I love that you've created this kind of uh, another space for people to just have a little bit more fun in, no matter what their means might be. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and and don't get me wrong, we get a lot of what I like to call side-eye sometimes from the purists, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that um, any, anything that's not screen accurate or anything that's outside of the realm of the the, the actual universe it's like oh oh that's you, you that can't we can't have that that's that's blasphemous it's an abomination to star wars to to have a mashup or something like that and i'm just like yeah, that's fine if that's what you believe then you can go on believing that but i'm still gonna have fun with it and and the 501st at first was very standoffish with us when we first started 
Um, but over the years, you know, I mean, and there's a, there's a lot of good people in the fight will first, and then there's a lot of people that take it way too serious. as with anything, mm-hmm. you know. But over the years, they've you know, we've met a lot. Our friends with the fight will first, and especially locally here with the Midwest Garrison, you know, they've welcomed us to a lot of the different events that they held now. So it, we we sort of you know, so now we we're actually marching in parades with them on occasion, you know, for like the Fourth of July and local events. And and even at the last Star Wars celebration, we marched with them. So, you know, and, and it's like, you know, when you see the look on the fans' faces when we're in these parades, you know, and you see them point and smile, that's why I do it. <laughs> you know, it's to bring a smile to the fans yeah. with, with, with our imaginative creations. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, just, just to kind of add to that as well is, you know, it's been it's been really cool to, to show Sean's Mandalorian mashup journey, you know, I mean, even going back to the force among us, when we filmed him on, on day one in August, 2006, you know, the mashups were not necessarily a full blown thing at the time, but, you know, I mean, Sean had a lot of costumes uh, to, to, to begin with. And I think he's just a creative person and he wanted to take it to the next level. And that we started with him on day one and on at the end of day, one in in 06 we interviewed a really good friend of mine uh, john duffy who uh, a lot of people refer to as the drunk stormtrooper (laughs) (laughs) and um i mean it's it's interesting you know this is something that we've known about the 501st uh you know just the the conflict within the group itself not only giving sean and the mandos a side eye but just the the conflict within the group itself it's 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 been going on for a very 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 long time. I mean, we're talking, you know, we we discovered this 13 years ago, while we were making the first film. And uh, again, that's kind of one of the continuity continuity things that I've always, you know, included in. Uh, like like you said too, uh, like a side window into our lives. We kind of brought John Duffy back into the real fans of the saga, and we had a one on one with him and Alfie. It kind of tied up some loose ends from the first documentary. Um, just kind of side noting, you know, what we've talked about in in our other film projects, and uh, the the real fans of the saga gives gives us opportunity to kind of fill in the blanks and kind of bring us up to where are they now, kind of yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. Um, be- I, I have a question I want to ask you, Chris. But before I get to that, just coming off of the Mandalorian mashup conversation, Sean, I'm just really curious what your thoughts are on the Mandalorian. The TV show, uh, the Mandalorian. Of course, I'm going to have a biased opinion on it because that's <laughs> that, because that's my groove, that's my jam. Um, but putting that aside, and this might ruffle some feathers, you know, fans of the, of the sequels or whatever. But I was haven't been as excited while watching the um, a Star Wars thing. When I watch The Mandalorian, I am engrossed. I am as engrossed and enjoying it as much as I did since. I, 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 how do I say this? I haven't been that excited about something Star Wars since Return of the Jedi. Um, I've enjoyed everything that's come since, but The Mandalorian has pushed it over the edge for me as far as my excitement level and enjoyment of the storytelling that's being done on that show. I love the Clone Wars. I love Rebels. I, you know, I enjoyed, you know, a lot of the prequels. I enjoy certain things of the sequels, but the Mandalorian is, 
seems to have captured um, that old school st- storytelling that the original trilogy brought to 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 theaters. It's um, I like to call it playing, you know, playing playing in the original trilogy sandbox. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, there's a lot of there's a lot of eggs in there and callbacks and nods to, to not just the original trilogy, but there's nods in there to the prequels. There's nods in there. To potential, you know, to the stuff that hints at the from the sequels and and things from Rebels and Clone Wars. It's just, it's a lot of uh, of I guess like the real fans where it fills in the blanks of different things from the movies. And um, the way, it, rather than you know, I had always hoped that they would either make the Boba Fett movie or have the Boba Fett TV show, but this Mandalorian. Takes it in a, it goes uh, you know goes in a direction where here's 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 a Mandalorian we've never met, and he's not this um, overly skilled unbeatable badass. You know, I mean, let's face it, he gets his butt kicked a lot there throughout the series. Yeah. You know, so so he's not an unbeatable person, and I think though having those flaws makes his character that much more interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because we and then you know as the show progresses, we start to learn more about the, with the Mandalorian culture, which has never really been delved into before. And then you know, seeing some of the aftermath of Return of the Jedi being portrayed, and what with the remnants of the Empire, it's just like. Again, it's it's that expanded universe sort of feel, and the way Filoni and Fabro are doing it, even by you know by going back to some practical effects using models for the ships and and um, and the and the sets. And in fact, you know now when you see how they're doing some of the sets, what you thought was an on-location shot was against the screen, a movie screen, which is amazing and and the way it make the make it feel believable i believe this is what george lucas always talked about of uh when it came to doing a live action tv show and trying to have it have the same quality as a movie he didn't want to do a tv series i remember him saying he didn't want to do a tv series unless it could look and feel with the same kind of quality as a movie would and uh, what they've been doing with the special effects and the storytelling on the Mandalorian, I believe, is exactly the way George would have wanted it, his TV shows to look like. And like I said, I haven't been this excited about Star Wars, a Star Wars project TV show or whatever, since Return of the, as excited since Return of the Jedi. And that's not trying to knock mm-hmm. any of the other stuff. It's just right. That's where my level of excitement for it is. Yeah. Yeah. Have you... Um well, I don't want to be rude here, Chris, what, and, and not ask you your thoughts on on Mandalorian. I'm, I'm with you, Sean. It's it's the project since the Disney era that I think has defined Star Wars moving forward in all the right ways. Um, it's got the callbacks without being heavy about it, right? It they're all there for the. If you're a hardcore Star Wars fan watching Mandalorian, you're going to see all these little nods and love them. But I also like. I mean, I work with college students. There's a lot of college students watching this who don't really know Star Wars, and they're also loving it just as much. So I think it's doing such a great job of bringing in both new and old fans. Um, and there's so much deep enrichment there for the old fans, but there's also a very clear, powerful story for someone who barely knows anything about Star Wars, um, it, which I think it makes. I think. Um- Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to no, cut you off. No, no, that's yeah. No, well, go ahead. To tap off of the Mandalorian, and I, I didn't mean to omit it, and I know this is where Chris is going to go, <laughs> so I'll just preface it. 
Um, the only other time I was probably as excited um, as far as the way something had turned out would probably be where, 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 where Chris is about to go. So you want to feel it? You know what I'm going to say, right, Chris? I, I just, I just know you're going to mention rogue one. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's right. rogue one is, is, is again, again, that playing in the old original trilogy sandbox storytelling that was, they did a, that they did a great job with. And so, yeah, rogue one's definitely, when it comes to the Disney star Wars stuff, rogue one and the Mandalorian stand out above anything else they've done, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you, you guys said it best. I, I, I think the only thing that I'd really add to that is, you know, it's it's so interesting that Disney could make something that would aggravate the fans, or some fans anyway, uh, such as, you know, uh, yeah, I, I want to say probably eight, eight probably got the most hate. Episode eight got the most hate. Um, but uh, the, the Mandalorian, it's like it's really pleased everybody. Yeah. So... It's just interesting how they can piss off the fan base and excite the fan base. <laughs> and it's the same kind of same company doing it. Obviously, it's different people involved in those projects doing different things. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I love the Mandalorian. I, I just I the thing that bums me out about the Mandalorian is I have to wait a long, long time for season two. I just I wish that you know there was there was more. Of it, uh, which is a good thing, right? I right. mean, I want more of it, and I just I don't want to wait as long as we have to wait now. And hopefully, because of the current state of affairs, it's not going to get pushed back even further. Because you know, it, it's a show that just keeps you wanting more and more. My wife was even like, "Hey, are you sure that there's no new Mandalorians?" I'm like, "Well, we can watch it again, <laughs> watch yeah. it over." Uh, but yeah, just a fantastic, fantastic show for yeah. sure. Now, um, so uh, Chris, obviously, as a as a filmmaker who's who's made these two documentaries, um, the question I really wanted to ask you um, is, you know, what where was that passion? Why why did you want to make those two particular documentaries? And who knows if you'll ever make another one? I mean, I've, I, like you said, Real Fans is kind of a continuation of them in a different different way. But what is it? You know what really kind of inspired you to make those two documentaries and, you know, and there are still star Wars fans that watch them today. I mean, I'll, I'll still put them on as uh, like, they're nice, like comfort food in the background. Sometimes when I'm just doing something else, um, not to say that it doesn't deserve my whole attention, but it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, I've seen it. So it's like, it's, but it's not something nice in the background um, to watch. You just document star Wars fans experiences. What, what kind of lit that, that spark in you? Well, I would say what lit the spark, you know, was definitely, uh, you know, when episode three came out and, and that whole prequel journey was over. I mean, that was a that was almost like an eight year journey of, of all our lives as Star Wars fans. And uh, I went to Tunisia that year. That was the first filming location that I that I really went to. And it was it was not quite a year later. But it was uh, it was in March of uh, it would have been March of 2006. Um, me and my sister, who really bonded over Star Wars together, and went through that prequel journey together, I was like, "Man, what what do we do next to Star Wars fans?" And you know, Sean obviously did the Mandos, and I feel like my version of the Mandos is kind of 
making that documentary. And um, at first, it started as kind of a, a joke, kind of confessions of a Star Wars fan. And I told him that was my sister's idea. And uh, I said, no, no, I want to do something a lot more more serious. And, of course, you know, we were in an Irish pub having pints and, you know, getting inspired that way, as we always do. <laughs> and the next day I showed up at my sister's house with all these notes and this outline of this film. And she goes, she goes, dude, she goes, we were just having a couple of pints talking about Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, but that's yeah, when I that's when I really you know, turn up the fire and, 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 and want to take the reins and, and, and get something done. And, uh, sure enough, one thing led to another. And I was very fortunate that my ex-wife's cousin, uh, gave us the opportunity because without him, we would have never done it. And without my failure, uh, I say failure because I didn't really know what I was doing when I made The Force Among Us. I just had an idea to make a film, and, and it just kind of rolled into what you what you see today. Mm-hmm. If if I didn't leave some disappointment and and felt like I could have done more, um, and maybe the fact that you know the relationship between me and my ex wife's cousin grew apart. I saw an obstacle that I wanted to get over and, and I, there was something that I wanted to achieve that needed to be achieved. And that kind of fueled the fire for the next documentary. Um, and then of course, you know, you make a second documentary and it's like, Hey, let's make another one. And then you do three documentaries and you're like, Hey, I want to go back to star Wars, but I'm not ready to make a third, third documentary. What do we do next? Hey, let's do a reality show. So really, mm-hmm. if you take one, small factor out of that it, it truly is a the butterfly effect where you know the direction or the idea or the desire will will change you know yeah yeah um so i wanted to sh- tell you chris uh that uh one of this uh, darn i always forget the order force within us was the second one correct yes okay yes. And that's the one where you end by basically going up to Northern California. And I know you go to the Redwoods and you're kind of on the hunt for the, the bunker filming location and, and all that. Um, so just this past summer, my, my friend Jason, who I do the podcast with regularly, um, he and I went out to California. We went out for the first time last summer and we, we did Lucasfilm headquarters. We went to Rancho Obi-Wan um, and uh, we wanted to go up to, you know, where they filmed some of Return of the Jedi, not realizing that it was four hours north of San Francisco. Um, yeah, so, yeah, at least. At yeah. Least, right? So so last year we went out and stayed with a friend um, in Sacramento. So we were already a little bit further north. Um, and we decided to make that four hour drive. We rented a car and we went up to, you know, into that Redwood Forest and, uh, you know, we went to where the speeder bike chase was filmed and uh, kind of slightly like inspired by what you did there with uh, force within us. We made a documentary. Um, it's like, it's only like 10 minutes oh, no. long, <laughs> but uh, I'll have to share it with the two of you. Uh, Jason did a really good job editing. I mean, we literally just shot it all on his phone, but we kind of approached it like, Oh, let's pretend that the battle of Endor actually happened. And we're two document documentarians documenting the battle. So we go to like the only site that is actually official is the, that big tree that the speeder bikes fly under, but everything else, we just kind of picked locations that looked similar enough to other things from the battle of Endor and shot it like a documentary and intercut it with scenes from the return of the Jedi. Um, and, uh, like, but I would have never even have had that thought even kind of in me if it weren't for your documentary. 
Um, uh, it's, it's, it's very it's very cool that I inspired you to uh, to, to not only go out there, but to, to do that. Uh, I guess that would be a mockumentary because you're right. pretending the battle of Endor yeah. happened. That's, I, I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. Do, I'll send it to Pretty you guys. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no, and like, and this when, is when, when you were out there. Did you did you make it to the the ship ashore hotel by chance? We didn't. No, no. And I, then there, there's a, there's the market too. I don't know if you made it. That's kind of in the in in the Crescent City area. The uh, the Fort Dick market. I don't know if you went there to see the Ewok boulder. No, we didn't do that either. But yeah, um, and you got to see that for next time. Yeah, yeah exactly. But that was the thing. Like, I loved that you, you know, you've now been to obviously Tunisia. You've been to uh, Norway for for Hoth. You've been to the Forest of Endor. I, have you done Death Valley there in I think Nevada? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the, in the Forest Within Us, uh, the second one we did. That's right. Uh, in the beginning, yeah, in the beginning of the there. film, uh, that was all Death Valley stuff. Right. That's right. Now, Sean, have you done any of the filming locations yourself? Have you been out to any of them? Uh, I have not. It's a, you can call it a bucket list thing for me. Nice. Um, I, I, I keep waiting for Chris to invite me to the next trip. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that's uh, especially Tunisia was, would be something uh, on a bucket list to try to do. Norway and uh, the forest, you know, if, if the forest would be the, the easiest one, obviously, for me. Um, I don't know that I would ever trek out to Norway just – because you know we get enough snow here in the Midwest as it is, <laughs> you know. I know what it, I know what it looks like, um, and uh, so. But yeah, I would definitely love to visit Tunisia at some point in my life. Yeah, well, there's something really. I, I think the sad thing about Tunisia too is, you know, I, I was super super lucky to be part of uh, part of that trip with several of those pioneers, and I, I think just. Tunisia, not only being a third world country, but a lot of turmoil and a lot of hate for, you know, people from from the states. And I mean, it's it's a different world out there. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I ran into a, a, a funny situation with some locals, you know, like we were you know, partying at the homestead and they wanted me to take a drive with them at like three forty five in the morning. And my friend that spoke, you know, spoke the language that they spoke. He's like, ah, I would advise you that, you know, this is a very strange situation that they want to take you down the street mm-hmm. uh, at three forty five in the morning. And of course, uh, I think there were some Australian fans that were kidnapped out there uh, a good handful of years ago. It was after we were there. Um, it's just at the time when we went in 2005, there was a huge group of us and we were protected that way. And the, the tour guide, Mark Jamal, who was out there five times, uh, you know, with the group, he had the experience. Um, Tunisia is not one of those places like that. I feel like I can go back to, uh, unless I went with a group of 16 people, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a dangerous area now. Or Which makes it's more just, of a bucket list, right? It's like, oh, now I really want to go. <laughs> right? Yeah, the, the forbidden fruit. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, just to like, just to delve a little specifically into each of your your fan collections too, because that, that's something that you know is is very well documented on on the show, real fans. Is that obviously, Chris? You have like a you know like a Star Wars sanctuary, as you call it, which I, I love that you call it that. Um, Sean, you've got Star Wars everywhere. Um, you know, it, so you're both very 
avid, if if not in a different way, particular types of collectors. So I'm going to ask you one of those questions that's probably super hard to answer, so I apologize. Um, but is there any particular piece within each of your collections that really means a lot to you? Uh, Sean, you can go first on that one. All right. Um, actually, yes. Um, I, I, amongst the millions of things that I have, you know, I've got, you know, um, a replica of Hanukkah carbonate that came out when in the nineties, I forget what company was producing them, but that's, but, and I've got, you know, different statues and of course my vintage toy collection, but the piece for me that has always been my gem of my collection is not even something that that may or may not even be worth that much. It's a Hildebrandt poster printed from factory. I think the company was called factory prints or something like that um, of uh, the Hildebrandt's uh, star Wars picture, Luke and lay on the mountain, you know, with, with the Vader head. And, and um, that was the first poster I ever got. My dad bought it for me when he took me to see Star Wars. We bought it. They were selling them in the lobby of the movie theater. And I used to have it hanging on my wall growing up. My entire, you know, it was always there. And the reality is, is the poster is in really poor condition. I mean, this thing has been rolled and folded and it's got torn edges from being both scotch taped and tacked to my wall, you know. But I've taken that poster around with me to get signed by anybody and everybody that I ever could possibly meet from A New Hope, you know. And I've got a lot of people on there. I mean, I've got, you know, Phil Brown, you know, who played Uncle Owen. You know, I've got, you know, a lot of the Imperial officers and the X-Wing pilots and uh and of course, the key players, uh, you know, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, um, David Prowse, and even George Lucas. Wow. The only person that isn't on there that is that my, you know, is that I would die to have is, of course, Harrison Ford. That's like the only. That's like the last big name that isn't on that poster. Yeah. But like I said. Because if it's in condition, it's probably not worth much. And even if I were to sell it because of all the signatures, it might be worth something. But I would never sell it because for me, that's that's too personal for me because that is the embodiment of my childhood, of my dad taking me to the theaters over and over again to see Star Wars. And, uh, that, and I remember um, when I was getting it signed by, I think... It might have been the actor that played Porkins. When he saw it, I think he described it just based on its condition and all. He's like, "Brenda, right, he's like, this is this is this is living Star Wars fandom history right here." Mm. And my and I was like, that was a cool way of him to describe it. That's you know? awesome. But so that's that is my prize collection, prize piece of my collection. That's awesome. I love it. That's so cool. Um, well, I hope Chris says that his favorite thing is an FX lifesaber and just. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny because my my collection had been in in uh, boxes for God for two years now because we we moved down the street from where we shot the real fans of the saga at our house in in Gilbert's small town in the west suburbs, 
and we moved um, 15 minutes south. And my old collection was in the basement at the old house, and it was in the loft at the old house. So two floors. So now that I have this basement that's about 1,700 square feet, it's it's all in one area. But what happened was when we moved everything, there was carpet down there. And carpet does not belong where moisture is, in my opinion. And my allergies are, you know, not the greatest. So I wanted to get the floor ripped out. Well, I finally got the floor ripped out. Now I'm taking all these things out of the boxes. And I was telling Sean, I'm like, my, my, my man cave, if you will, it's going to look like a Star Wars museum because I have everything in glass lit curio cabinets. Mm. And I'm getting a chance to kind of see like, oh my God, I got so much stuff that I can't even display. And, and maybe some stuff that I wouldn't even display because it's stuff that I've collected, but stuff that's not display case worthy. And as I'm taking this stuff out and, and looking at this stuff and putting it back on display, the stuff that always resonates with me the most is the vintage stuff. Even the stuff that I didn't have as a kid. Uh, again, it just brings me back to that time. Like Sean said, you know, you spend time with your dad and it brings you back to uh, your childhood. And there's something about, you know, the childhood in my case where it was interrupted that is like a, a comfortable, comfortable place. It's my comfort zone. Um, and, you know, of course, my iron-on T-shirts, if you see in the real fans of the saga, I love those. Those are not on display. Those get worn and washed where they do take a little bit of a beating uh, eventually. But like with Sean, it's something that I don't want to sell. It's something that I, it was part of me when I was a kid. Obviously, the shirts that I have now are things that I found on eBay and that kind of replicated as, as an adult size shirt. Uh, that my five-year-old self used to wear. <laughs> so just things that bring you back and connect you to the roots of where this Star Wars journey began. Um, and of course, my love for baseball. I, I love my Star Wars baseball mashup stuff like the bobbleheads and the jerseys and, and that sort of thing because uh, it showcases my love for not one but for two things wrapped up into one. At the end of the day, though, the vintage stuff isn't for sale. If anything, I should not be buying stuff right now. Um, but if I go on eBay, I kind of look like, hey, I really need this X-Wing from the Empire line. And I'm like, nah, I really can't afford to drop $250 right now on, on, on something. So those are things that I like to even add to my collection as well the, the yeah. whole vintage line yeah. and everything that i have and it's i don't have anything left from when i was a kid except for like some bed sheets you know that are in the closet somewhere mm -hmm. <laughs> those aren't even on display so i kind of had to start over you yeah. know uh recollecting the stuff that i had when i was a kid sean is blessed because he was a little older than me so he was able to maybe hang on to his stuff where my stuff got eat the crap and you know of course thrown away and donated to goodwill back in the back in the day that's yeah uh i find myself kind of in a similar boat right now chris is i um 
I'm fortunate enough to have a space in my apartment where I can have like a little Star Wars room. Um, I do got to say, though, Sean, I love what you said in one of the episodes of Real Fans, though, when you talk about opening your own Rancho Sean Juan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was great. Someday. Yeah. Someday. Um, when I get to build my my man, my Star Wars man cave, it'll happen. Um, you know that that would that would be a little fabricated drama for the for the real fans. Like I'm in my basement putting my display cases up, and Sean's not quite at that point. But I'd be like, "Hey, man, how's your collection coming along?" Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, uh, you son of a <laughs> <laughs> rub it in his face a little bit. Yeah, yeah right. The, uh, any, was there, there any paper cuts you'd like to give me while you're at it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to Rancho Obi-Wan for the first time, uh, well, two years ago this summer now. And uh, have, have either of you been there? I have not had the opportunity to go there. A really good friend of mine, and he was a producer on the reality show, uh, Michael Wistock. He's uh, he's part of part of that group over there. You know, him and Steven have been friends for a long, long, long time. I've gotten the invite. I just haven't had the right time sure. uh to get out there but it's yeah. it's on my list yeah for sure have you sean no not yet I, I came close but uh i was gonna when the you know celebration was last in anaheim it was on my itinerary but uh like i said because i had lost my job just before, like you know a, month, a few months before celebration i had to alter that right. trip and because uh, we were going to do the theme parks and, and Rancho Obi-Wan, but uh, be- because of the change in the job and the funding situation, we had to keep it just to celebration only right. Um, right. for that trip. Yeah. But uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, I'll be able to, you know, go back. You know, we want to, I'd, I'd like to make a trip to California as just a regular tourist and actually do all like the Hollywood and, and all the normal California tourist stuff and then put Rancho Obi-Wan on that list. Yeah, yeah, it's such a fantastic experience, and I've I never have considered myself a collector because I'm not. I don't. Um, I mean, I have a lot of stuff, uh, and I and I love the stuff I have. Nothing is particularly valuable um, beyond like the emotional value. Um, but I remember when we were there the first time. So Steve Sansweet always comes out at the end and answers any questions people might have, which is just really great. Um, and I, I asked him, um, you know, what would be your advice to someone who has you know, a limited space to do a Star Wars collection in, right? Whether, you know, you have people that only have a shelf and, you know, I was fortunate enough to have like this extra room in my apartment. And, you know, he, he gave two great suggestions and he said, well, he goes, one is you can always just tell a Star Wars story insofar as like, maybe you really love Return of the Jedi. So you set up stuff to be thematically Return of the Jedi. He goes, or maybe you want to display your Star Wars fandom. So what are the things that were special to you when you got into Star Wars? So I decided to come home and kind of go that route. But kind of like you, Chris, a lot of the stuff that I had as a kid, I do still have most of it, but it's not in the best of shape. It's not really display worthy. Um, And I kind of wanted some things in the card. So I grew up in uh, the early 90s. So I came around to Star Wars right before this, like about a year before the special editions came out. So right as the Power of the Force 2 line was launched in 95, that was like right as I came into Star Wars. Um, so I love He-Man Star Wars figures. Um, like I know, I know a lot of fans didn't love them, but like that was my entrance point. <laughs> so, um, Steroid era. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Um, but it's been it, because they're those were so overproduced. I mean, you can grab those off eBay for a you know a couple bucks each. Um, but I've kind of just you know created this space there, which again, like it connects me to that point of fandom that that point of my Star Wars experience that really made me fall in love with Star Wars. Um, you know, there are things I love about Star Wars now that I didn't back then because I'm you know in my 30s as opposed to nine years old. Um, but yeah, I just think it's I loved the word that you used, Chris, that you called it your sanctuary, because I think for those of us who are fortunate enough to have a room or just a small private collection somewhere like to to just to, to be in that space, I think is just a, a, a really great way to connect to your own sense of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why people collect, too, is because it gives them that. That feeling, you know, I mean, that we want to be surrounded by people and things that, that we love. Um, I wonder one of the best things I ever heard Steve say was that one of the best things I heard Steve say was that the best thing going into collecting is being focused. Mm. And I, I wish I would have taken that advice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not now I'm focused on my collection, but there's a lot of things in my collection. I'm like, why? Why do I have that? Why do I? And it really makes a lot of work for for me. And I'm sure a lot of other people are in this boat where it's like, OK, well, I bought all this stuff at one point. I've given some of it away to, you know, toys for tots. I've used it for gifts for my nieces and my nephews. Uh, but now I'm, I'm moving this stuff from room to room and now I got to sell it on eBay. But then as soon as you go get rid of it, you find I find myself collecting stuff that I want. Like I'm adding to my Rogue One collection, uh, you know, right now. So I'm getting rid of stuff, but I'm always bringing stuff back in to take its place. So not really doing, uh, you know, doing what I should be doing is downsizing. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the hard part. Yes, yes. Uh, you go Going back to what things mean to you, uh, vintage-wise, you know, um, some of you that are just discovering the show, the reality show now, uh, you know, spoiler alert, you know, one of our cast members passed away uh, a little over a year ago, Bo Glazer, and um, his wife wanted me to, to get some money for, from, from his collection. So I sold some of his loose vintage stuff on eBay, and the person that bought a good handful of it, he knew about the projects that we've worked on. And I said, you know, this stuff isn't in the greatest shape. And he made me a, a, a nice offer. You know, a, a, he made me a better offer than I probably should have gotten for it. But he's like, look, it's going to Bo's widow. And he's like, this stuff was Bo's. He's like, I have a story to tell about this stuff that's in my collection now. Not only was it things that I'm trying to replace from his childhood, but it's he's got like a dual story now. You know, hey, this is stuff that I used to have when I was a kid, and guess who used to have it? You know, this guy that passed away um, that was an important part of people's lives. And uh, I just thought that was really, really, really cool thing that yeah. he did. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, um, well, just for this, uh, for the sake of time, because I feel like I could talk to the two of you all day about Star Wars. It'd be easy. Most Star Wars fans could do that. Um, but, you know, uh, 
real fans of the saga. We've got six episodes right now, which are so fun. Um, I love watching them, rewatching them. Um, when could we possibly expect some more episodes? I mean, Chris, like you just said, you know, it was really sad that that Bo passed away last year. And again, I can't help but just only give my condolences to you and Sean both as as well as everyone who obviously was close friends with him. Um, you know, he he was he was certainly the in a, a lot of ways kind of the unique one in your group. Um, and I, and I mean that with nothing but respect. Um, sure, sure. Uh, and uh, so obviously, I, I I'm sure it's going to be really difficult as you release more episodes with him in it, with him now being gone. Um, but is the, are there plans to to release more episodes in the future? Yeah, you know, um, I mean, the, the the Star Wars fan world is waiting on me. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like I said, I got you know because of the the current state with the coronavirus, you know, a lot of the things that took up my time. Um, you know, are on the back burner now. Uh, production shut down, marketing shut down for a lot of the the projects that I've worked on. So I I was inspired by uh, a news story on WGN about people locking themselves uh, in isolation and and working on these projects that were put on the back burner. So I told my wife, I said, starting tomorrow, Monday, the twenty third of March, I am going to spend you know, a good 10 to 12 hours each day and, and, and work on this. Um, thank God we have a lot of footage of Bo and with Bo. And there's two episodes that are cut. Uh, they're rough. I don't, I do the editing, but I don't do the, the tweaking, you know, the audio correction, the color correction, the transitions. I'm, I could probably learn that during the time that we're going through and take editing on 101%. Um, but there are six episodes that are going to round out the 12-episode season. Uh, we are going to bring closure to what happened with Bo. So you will, you will see that. I mean, that's a big spoiler alert, but, you know, it's kind of nice to give people that sense of, hey, where are we going with this? Um you know, his, his widow is committed to help us close out his legacy, his story into the real fans of the saga. Um, so right now, we, we got six episodes left, two are rough cuts. Hopefully by the end of this week, I'll, I'll have a third one completed. I don't know how to answer the question when. But I always I feel like I've been answering this question for two years now. Um, sooner than later is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> sooner or later is the answer. I like to think of because we have six episodes completed and that are out. If you have Amazon Prime, you can watch all my projects as part of that subscription. Unfortunately, that's the only way to get it right now is through Amazon Prime. If you don't have Prime, you can can rent these episodes as well. Um, I like to think of this as a long mid-season break because we're, we're, we've completed and released half of the season. The next part of the season is coming, but once we start releasing those, they're going to be released quite, quite quickly. You know, quite quick. Now, now I'm starting to sound like the president with the 
uh, coronavirus situation. <laughs> hey, when are we going to get those test kits? Soon. <laughs> it's going to be soon, and it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be yeah. the best episode you've ever seen. Uh, just, just, just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel like that situation right now with, you know, okay, when is, when are we going to see the last of the real fans of the saga? It's coming soon. It's coming soon. You know, uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't lose the interest. That was my. That was my fear, that people are going to start watching this and they're going to step away from it and they're going to forget about it. But like yourself, you said you've watched it more than once, you know, and God, I started to feel like Disney, too. It's like, hey, we're going to do Obi-Wan. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Ah, oh, you know what? We're going to put that on a back burner. It's canceled. Now we're going to bring it back. They did that with the Muppets too now, and they've done it with the Rogue One series now, the Cassian. So if if fans can learn from Disney and the amount of time it takes Disney to get things done, I will try to do my best to get this stuff in your eyes sooner than later. Well, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's thank, easy. Thank you. It's, it's, thank you for your support, by the way. Oh, of course. It, it, like I said, I mean, um, the thing I've enjoyed about you know all of these projects, from real fans to the to the Force Among and Within Us projects, um, is I, I, I like when I sit down and just put them on. I do feel like I'm just hanging out with Star Wars friends, which especially right now with everything going on, you know, everybody being asked to stay inside and. You know, everything is just kind of going into this kind of isolation mode for for a little while here. Um, I think programs like this, if you're a Star Wars fan, and again, if you're if you are a Star Wars fan who's who's not particularly inter- or particularly knowledgeable about any of these these programs, I really recommend checking them out because it's just something fun to sit with, uh, to just sit with another group of Star Wars fans and uh, listen to, listen to you just talk about what you love about Star Wars. Um, you know, I mean that's. You kind of can't beat that. So, um, I appreciate that. You know, I, I mean, even just doing this this podcast today, it's it's taking my mind off uh, a lot of what's what's going on. Um, so, it's, Star Wars is and has been a big part of helping us forget and distracting us and connecting us to a better time and a place. And uh, you know, I mean, it, we're, we're very fortunate that we have any star wars right now you know absolutely yeah um so kind of as a way of closing this out uh i always like to obviously and in, in, invite whoever's on uh to if you know if, if folks listening want to kind of get involved with mandalorian mashups or know more about what you're doing sean where could folks do that uh real simple just mandalorian mashups on facebook uh, that's the community page i don't have an official website um, uh, there, we also have, you know, an Instagram page, but I don't usually use it as often as I do the Facebook page. Um, the Facebook page is where you can come and let us know what you're working on share your progress photos. And when it's completed, we'll announce you as an official member of the mashups. And then it's also where you can go to find out when and where the group photo will be taking place at uh, celebration, which I'll try to share another uh, Star Wars pages uh, as we get closer. Awesome. Well, if if celebration happens, I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I, I obviously won't have a Mandalorian mashup, but I I'd love to just shake your hand and say hello. So. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, we will be around. Awesome. If it, like I said, if it happens, right. we will be there. 
Um, and what about you, Chris? If, if folks want to, you know, stay stay on top of the projects that you'll be working on and putting out, where can where could they do that? All right. If anybody wants to see my projects, they can go to Amazon and uh, they can type in all the titles or to make it easy. I just did it now, actually, while, while we're chatting. If you type in my name, C-R-I-S, and the last name, M-A-C-H-T, you will get a list of all, all the projects that I've done. Uh, they're all available there. Um, I see the Force Within Us DVD is up on Amazon for forty nine ninety nine right now. That's definitely well above uh, retail uh, suggestion price. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also follow us on Facebook under the Real Fans of the Saga. Um, it's not updated very often, so uh, the best thing to do is to you know uh, maybe check that page or to like. Most important of all, just check Amazon uh, frequently or, you know, every other month to see when the next uh, few episodes will be up there as well. Great. Hey, well, most, most important, please, please, please leave a review. Please leave a review. Uh, we rely heavily on reviews because I think the, 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 the star rating, um, it's, it's important not only to build uh, you know, the confidence in having a, 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 a good project, a decent project, a well-liked project. But uh, it, it kind of, it, I think it attracts people like, oh, wow. Like the real fans of the saga, that's five stars right now, um, but only 12 reviews. Sure. Uh, so minim, minimal on the reviews. But why wouldn't you want to watch a five-star project? Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah. So check these things out y'all <laughs> they're awesome and um yeah i thank you both so much for taking the time on your sunday morning <laughs> to to meet up and do a podcast uh like i said i've i've been loving these projects i love that you were willing to take the time just to talk a little bit more about them shine a little light on the behind the scenes and uh just talk a little bit about your own passions for star wars so thank you both so much for for being on the show Hey, th thank you, man. I appreciate you reaching out to us instead of us seeking you out. It, it takes a lot of uh, the, the legwork off. Happy we to appreciate do you it. having us on. It's been a lot of fun. McClunkley. <laughs> so thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this special episode, episode 374 of the Wampus Lair podcast, the real fans of the saga. For Chris and Sean, I am Carl, and we will see you here next time in the Wampus Lair. Wampus Lair.